0: Balancing Point Podcast. This is episode 59.
1: Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind the scenes journey
0: into ballet. Hello everyone and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My name is Kimberly Falker and I'm your host. Today I continue with my series on New York City Ballet, but before we get to that, I did want to say thank you to all of you who have sent me some really great feedback on this series. It's been a whole lot of fun to dive in deep into this company, and I do hope to continue to dive in deep to many other companies um, along the way, but for now, this has been really an enjoyable journey for me. And before I introduce my guest today, I want to remind you guys of the amazing giveaway I have to offer to one very lucky winner. As I announced in my last episode, on Friday, June 27th, I will announce the, list, I'll announce the winner, who is a listener, who will receive a signed pair of point shoes from none other than New York City Ballet principal dancer, Megan Fairchild. So if you want to enter, it's very easy. All you have to do is simply send me an email to balancingpoint@gmail.com. at gmail.com, P-O-I-N-T-E, with your name and just include your favorite podcast episode thus far and on that day I'll draw a winner and you will receive in the mail a signed pair of point shoes from Megan Fairchild so it's just that easy all right so let's get back to the series on New York City Ballet and today we've reached the highest level in any company ranks which is the principal dancer and a principal dancer is kind of often shortened to just principal and that is a dancer at the highest rank within a professional dance company. And the dancer can be male or female. And they're kind of considered the stars of the company. And they're off, they often appear in the leading roles. And so it's really obviously where every dancer hopes to aspire to. And as I mentioned last episode, New York City Ballet has approximately 27 principal dancers, including both male and female. So today my guest is Ask LaCour, who is just a super great person, a great guest. It's been really fun to get to know him. And many will remember I interviewed Ask along with David Fernandez on episode 46 when they talked about their amazing event with Some Dance Company. So that event has occurred, and we'll hear a little bit more about that in his interview. But today it's just Ask here, and he's going to share with us his journey um, from Denmark, where he's from, to where he lives now obviously which is New York City and he tells us as he moved through the ranks of New York City Ballet and he really just does a great job of uncovering all that goes into becoming a professional and he tells us about some of his highs and his lows and we really kind of get a a good insight and get to know who he is. Today I'll be featuring part one so be sure to tune in again tomorrow as we'll hear the rest of his story in dance. So let's get started with Ask LaCour of New York City Ballet. All right. Well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get started yes. and um, we'll just see how it goes. Okay. I've got some, some questions, but I don't typically always stay by script. So we'll...
1: That's okay. Who knows? We'll just... Uh, <laughs> I
0: know you can handle it.
1: <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> All
0: right. So ask you... Um, so you are born in Copenhagen, and um, which, by the way, is a gorgeous city. I love that area. (laughs) But do you get back there very often? Or do you still have family there? I
1: try to go back twice a year. I mean, I say like once or twice, but I I always um, always try to aim for for two times a year just because it is such a big part of me uh, to go home. And I mean, I have uh, a pretty big family, but also a lot of friends from childhood. And so it's, um, yeah, I try to keep that connection very tight.
0: And then, so your mom was a, a ballerina, right?
1: Yes, my mom was a ballerina with the Royal Danish Ballet back in the sixties and seventies.
0: So you kind of like it was just in your blood, really, or was it ever like a, a choice or a thought process that you had? It was like
1: it was fun because my mom, she never really wanted to uh, to uh, to push me. That was uh, the one promise that she made herself, and that that she kept too. But I was exposed to the theater environment through through my mom, but also through my dad, who's a conductor. So I was always attending concerts or, I mean, also ballets from time to time, but also musicals and opera and all that stuff. So, well, that's
0: such a cultural city. I can see how it'd be great to be there for those kind of experiences. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean... It is, but also I also think there's just more my family because I because I know a lot of other people that you know also came came to join the, the the ballet but came from a very different background. But I was just so ended up coming from a family that was very exposed to it.
0: Yeah. Right. So did you ask for lessons, or was it just one of those? Your mom said, "Do you want to take it, or it how was, did it come about?"
1: Apparently, I mean, I'm always trying to um, trying to really figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, apparently, it was my mom was my mom was actually the ballet director's right hand or the okay. The, yeah, uh, at the time, and she was talking to the the head of the school. And I, I was walking behind them and they were, they were just um, talking about how there was a lack of boys and, and they uh, needed to uh, come up with um, a way to, to um, ignite the interest you know, for, uh, for boys to join the ballet. And, um, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I said I would love to give it a try.
0: How old were you? Uh,
1: I was eight. I was eight okay. years old. And my mom... Still
0: young and innocent. <laughs> still young. You no, know, but
1: yeah. The th- I mean, I, I, I always pretended to be young and innocent. But I always looked like I had a halo above my head. But I actually didn't. And a lot of other people can tell you, uh, you know, stories. But, um, But actually, when I did, what happened is then... They had an audition, of course, and then there was a four-week program where they would, um, you know, they would teach you some ballet steps and you would be waltzing around and see if you had rhythm and if you were flexible. So, I mean, you went through this little um, audition tour and I remember actually changing, my personality changed. From the first time I was in the studio, in what way? Just that I—it's—I mean, I remember still attending normal school on the outside, and from one day to another, all of a sudden, i, I stopped playing with the other kids. I wasn't being as crazy or or wild. Um, something just—I guess it's because I really wanted it, and I wanted to be. It was um, I. Maybe I just like the structure, right? The structure of it, and also people—not that people in the school don't tell you what to do—and you know, they try to teach you stuff. And but there was something about uh, this world that that captivated uh, me.
0: So, do you think your mom or anybody else that knew you was surprised by the shift, or did they not recognize it?
1: Uh, I don't really think they recognized it, but I certainly did. I, certainly, okay. yeah, I felt a, a huge transformation.
0: Did you know that early on that that was what you wanted to aspire to? Or was it there another moment in time where all of a sudden you're like, this is what I want?
1: Um, you know that's a really good question because you go you go through a lot of phases when you're growing up and a teenager and there's so like there's so many things are happening with with you and with the world around you right and I there were definitely times when I had to ask myself is this really what I want to do because it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of hours and you don't really uh, yeah I mean it's not a normal
0: life. And especially, you know, I don't, I don't know, because obviously I'm not a dancer or a boy, but it seems as if for boys it's even a little bit of a greater struggle because it's a little bit out of the box of an activity.
1: I mean, it definitely is, but I have to say that I would not have changed it for anything in the world. And just more how the whole process, you know, you uh, so at the Royal Danish Ballet that there's also a school attached to the theater. Ah, uh, okay. So, therefore, I didn't have to deal with, um, you know, going to ballet class and then still going to a regular public school. Okay,
0: so you did leave the regular school. Yes, I did.
1: And and then all of a sudden you have your friends. uh, I had maybe four classmates. We were five people.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, So,
1: all of a sudden it became um, a private school.
0: Right. Pretty
1: much. I think on average the school... Now it might have a little bit more, but at the time it was um, something around 60 people, 60 kids in the school from um, from 7 to 16.
0: So was it an obligation to go to the school, to be able to train there, you know, go to academic school and the ballet school, or yeah, was that a it was choice?
1: No, no, no. I mean, that was a part of it. Okay. But, I mean, it just came, and and but it was, so everything was free of charge. Uh, I mean, obviously, public school is. Uh, but also here, you had that being provided by the theater. Um, so that was just like a, a great way of of not having to deal with that. The
0: other pressures that might have yeah, been. Yeah. Uh, been. Yeah,
1: the that might have been. But then again, you are very uh, excluded from everything else, though.
0: Right, and that becomes your normal, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. So I don't really know how...
0: You wouldn't have known otherwise.
1: I mean, I remember my first couple of years, and, you know, and we would run around and beat each other up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I did definitely not have a, a normal life growing up, but, and I wouldn't want to change it for anything in the world.
0: So was there a time, like, kind of in your teenage years that you doubted your decisions, or did you feel pretty focused the whole way through?
1: I mean, I was more or less focused, but there were definitely times when I had to ask myself if if this was it.
0: Because, like, what what would be a plan B? Going to college, or what? You know, do you have those well, mature thoughts as a teenager, or what no, are those?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I that's a very good question because I never really gave that a lot of thought.
0: And maybe we as Americans overthink that piece of it because I think that children are raised with this obligation to go to college when in fact, you know, to pursue something as, you know, focused as ballet, you don't really have a choice to put it off too long, you know?
1: No, it's true. It's uh, I mean, but then again, uh, times have changed and it is important to have an education because um, so few people – from I mean who who uh, come in when they're eight the school and then you have ten years where it's basically where every year there's a chance of you not continuing
0: every year it probably gets even trickier and trickier
1: yeah so you have this uh, a risk so you definitely want to be prepared for the outside world <laughs> I mean, no but it's but um, you do have to
0: simultaneously be excellent at both dance and academics to be able to have yeah. choices it seems
1: yeah so they're definitely now they are actually focusing um, so at the Royal Danish you also have when you when, when you're 16 when you turn 16 you become an uh, apprentice with, with the company oh, okay. And that that's for two years, and that's mandatory. That that's how it is.
0: Well, that's nice. Uh,
1: Sixteen to, to your eighteen. So you are participating in morning classes and rehearsals and the shows. And but you also do that as um, as a kid in the school. You also attend a lot of the performances and rehearsals. Just not. I mean, you're just not a, a part of the company as like that to the same extent. But now they are actually providing school for for the apprentices, because because let's say you're seven people that get in when you're 16, but maybe only two or three will actually get through to the end. So you still have another five that needs...
0: Need to figure out their life. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So do you think that it's become more crowded and more competitive nowadays, or is it just that... Schools are figuring out that sometimes school or post secondary schools as important, or like what's do you feel like there's a difference nowadays with the amount of kids trying to pursue professional careers?
1: Uh, I mean, you mean in the ballet? yeah, mean? yeah uh, I mean, I guess I mean, I guess in the u s it's different because there's a lot more as a um, the pole is a lot bigger I feel uh the competition is greater I mean in <laughs> not that because we have amazing dancers in Denmark but it, it's kind of like if you I mean if you get a boy in to do ballet you you, you are lucky and you just you just try to hang on to this <laughs> you know body um And hopefully they will, you know, develop, you know, in a way that you wish. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I
0: I was just curious. You know, maybe it's just because I'm in it right now that it feels like it's Super saturated, but that's probably just because I'm living it right now versus, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. It's like when I mean, you're looking for a new a big... car
0: and you want a black car and all of a sudden you see black cars everywhere, you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, but there is a big difference between girls and, and boys.
0: Oh, I bet, yeah. You know,
1: in, in that profession. I mean, there's always it's – so, it's so much harder to be a girl. And I would never – I don't think – I'm actually pretty sure that I would not have done ballet if I had been a girl, (laughs) (laughs) because that I just it just seemed too much, too much stress and too much to handle. I mean, not that I mean. I don't
0: think it ever feels too much. At least I'm seeing from the outside looking in. It doesn't feel too much until you're already too late. You're already in it. (laughs) Yeah, you know what?
1: That's exactly what it is. It's like you see, you just have this this image of how it's (laughs) like and being, you know, the princess. Uh, the Sleeping Beauty and the swan and it all just looks so magical. Well, it was so easy until
0: it wasn't and all of a sudden it's like so hard to navigate because for so long it was just so comforting to know that, you know, the school was going to take care of them and they were going to be fine and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, you need more and what do you do? You know?
1: It's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a wake-up call at one point and that's what... It's like, I remember the moment when I had to kind of, do, when I told myself, okay, this is it.
0: Right. You
1: know, I had to and, I mean, and you kind of
0: know it all along, but all of a sudden it's right in front of your face, right?
1: Yeah. But, yeah. But all of a it's like, okay, I've, I think it was 17 when I really just was like, okay, I've put a lot of time into this and, um, and... You know, it was definitely worth it. But whenever you would be on stage and perform, and there was still a lot of stuff happening, you had all these great dancers ahead of you, watching how they worked. And you know, it is a very unique universe. I would say in that, I mean, that world. I mean, but it's like you're saying, it just happens, and then all of a sudden, it's too late, and you're like, okay, I can't really. <laughs> get out
0: of it. What was this all for? And you know, I think also, yeah. um, it's it does weed out the non-serious kids at a younger age. And so because it becomes so intense that I think that it's one of those things that if you're not going to try and pursue it, then why did you do it?
1: You know. Yeah, no, it's true. Not that that's I mean, the right way
0: to think about it, but so many kids will do high school sports and never think about doing it after that. That just was what they did. But seems yeah, like with ballet, yeah. it's like this intensity that you have to hang on to, yeah. you know?
1: I know, but yeah, that there's definitely a moment in time where it goes from, you know, them being kids and then all of a sudden that transformation to being teenagers and, and all of a sudden had to um, put in that time, like you're saying, that effort into making it and but where it becomes it becomes like a sport though, at a point where you wanna you wanna be the best and you wanna jump higher, you wanna turn more, you wanna be stronger, and and it can be very satisfying to um, to have these challenges. I mean, so if you don't like a good challenge, then it's definitely not.
0: And you were fortunate uh, to be in in Denmark, where you had an opportunity to have something that was progressively going to get you all the way through. And I think that's what a lot of dancers face, where you're in a in a place where the the dancer hits the ceiling of that particular training ground, and then what do you do next, you know? And so I think yeah. that that's a tricky oh, choice true. for a lot of families because, you know, what do you do? They still have years ahead of them as a quote-unquote yeah. kid, but yet where they are isn't enough anymore. And I think that that's a that's tricky great. one.
1: No, it's true. I mean, I know a lot of young, uh, or young adults that – That are amazing dancers, but obviously the the parents want them to finish their education, and because you just never know. There's, I mean, there's and and there's uh, money being cut from art, and then they're firing people. Then but it's so it is a very. it's kinda of like the stock market, you know? You just never know if you're gonna hate.
0: It is a bit of a gamble and you know, I think that's part of well, it's the reason I started the podcast is because I'm confused. <laughs> you know. I'm a parent at the place where we're trying to figure some things out and I'm confused as to what to do. And so talking to all the professional dancers at least takes some I don't know, panic out of my thoughts. You know, it doesn't necessarily Necessarily clarify always because everybody's path is different everybody's position in life is different you know were we living in Copenhagen it might not be as confusing but right now yeah. you know it's, it's a confusing path yeah. to take but it's nice to hear you know
1: I mean it's funny because I did also remember growing up there um, there, there was not there, there was never really any other option Right, in, in a sense, is that we were never. It, it kind of went from, you know, yeah, you go, to, you go through the school, then you become an apprentice, then you join the company as core, you can achieve soloist or principal status, and and then you and then you retire when you're forty.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of nice that you didn't have to think at that stage. Yeah. So you know?
1: I mean, so so that was back then in the early '90s when I remember being told all this. And then you, but you can also continue obviously as a teacher or a character dancer or a director. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of other things you can do. But you could retire when you were 40. It's not like that anymore. It's not uh, the pension is not as good as it used to be. It's still a lot better than most places, I have to say. But. Um,
0: but dancers aren't getting paid like football players. You don't have a lot to retire on. you know? <laughs>
1: No, it's uh it's true.
0: <laughs> you know, it's 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 as grueling as, as many sports, but it's yeah. just like football players or basketball players, you know, it's a career that has to have a, a chapter B or second chapter, you know, you it's yeah. not until you're 80 years old, you know, so you you will have to have that next stage of your life, but
1: but you also started so young, though. I mean, that's what I think is so interesting about it. It's you have all the doctors and lawyers and all these people, and they don't—they
0: don't start till they're thirty.
1: <laughs> yeah, or or even thirty-five. I mean, and then they still have to pay off all their loans, you know, right. for being in school for twenty years. And but at least, but they can do it till they're seventy-five.
0: But I'm just thinking, like, compared, you know, ballet compared to many high paying sports you know the compensation is just oh yeah no nil compared but you still have to have your next chapter to live on somehow
1: you know yeah well that's yeah that's why um i mean that's why um the uh, the recent thing i did with david fernandez some the the encore show which, which was to benefit the career transition career transition for dancers Because it is, it's something that is um, not really a lot of focus on in that sense of, because people have just never, people have always survived. So it's not, it's not like they haven't been able to go on with their lives and do this, but it, but it is still uh, a frustrating moment when you're standing in that position. And even if you get injured and all of a sudden you're, I don't know. I mean, I had a major injury when I was, 25, and which almost forced me to, to to stop dancing, and um, and I was like, okay, now what? You know, because your life has been just constantly focused on this one thing. I mean, I have a lot of hobbies. I'm not. I mean, I love doing music on the side and I have other projects. But 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 such a big part of your life has just been this.
0: So you. You were in Royal Danish Ballet, and then how did you wind up in New York City?
1: Um, that was because, I mean, I was in the Royal Danish for four and a half years, and um, Peter Martins, who I know very well, um, I'm, I'm not related to him, but uh, my older brother is his son. Niels Martins is uh, Peter Martins' son, and that's my half-brother. We have the same mother. So that's kind of like how I knew him, but he. So he would. He comes to Copenhagen from time to time to Denmark to to uh, set some of his ballets or choreograph new ones.
0: Because he's from Denmark he's too. He's from Denmark right? too. Okay. And
1: um. And I I always always um, admired uh, City Ballet, and you know it was very. Different, but at times it could also be similar with the Balanchine and Bonneville style because it's uh, actually a lot of Bonneville has f- fast footwork, um, and so the Balanchine. But then it was just more the upper body that was. The
0: foot- Go back. You said what style? Well, uh, uh,
1: the Bonneville style. I was Bonneville. Yeah. So he. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he was the one that kind of made the Royal Danish Ballet world. Famous, I would say. So it's a specific
0: style a specific of dance. It's specific
1: styles. It's like how you had the... Vaganova. Yeah, Vaganaba and Balanchine, and Pornaville and Chiquetti style and all that. Um, so it is like a specific style. But I just... I mean, I remember Peter being in Denmark quite often at, at that time around. This, this was 2000, 2001. At one point, I remember... It's also when you're in the ballet world, you have to. I mean, if you wanna try try other things, you in most cases you have to do it early on.
0: Oh, okay, you mean as far as like move to another company?
1: Move move to another company, yes. Okay. Because it's just more when you're when you're. I mean, if you're twenty, or thirty, it's not that it's not doable. Well, I mean, you haven't just,
0: gotten pigeonholed into a certain name or style. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also it's. I just feel like because in, I mean, we're all so young.
0: Right. More moldable.
1: (laughs) It's true. Um, No, so it just it just looks better when they see. Okay, he's twenty. You know, he can come here and become a part of it. So that's kind of what happened. Is that I I was interested in coming over just for uh, for a year. Not even. I mean, I've been with City Ballet now for eleven plus years.
0: And when you say City Ballet, that's New York City Ballet. It's just just kind of like the yes.
1: No, it's true. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I uh, see that
0: a lot, but I don't know. You know, I didn't know that until I knew it. You know.
1: <laughs> I guess it's just when you're living in yeah, the city, yeah. then you're just saying it's your slang.
0: <laughs>
1: it <sounds like. laughs> well, I mean, what um, what happened is that yeah, I just wanted to try it out, and I had talked to Peter from time to time since since I knew him, and there was just a night when. Uh, I had him on the phone and I asked if he was interested and he's, he said that he, we're, all ju- we're always interested in tall guys, you know, because they have a lot of tall ladies. And since I'm 6'4", then uh, that was ideal. And, um, and little did I know, six months later, I was on my way to New York. Uh, that was the yeah, end of November 2002.
0: So when you came, what um, rank were you?
1: Uh, just about it. Okay.
0: So you still had to, because were you core in Denmark too? But he had already like kind of approved. So you didn't have to come and audition and, and get the.
1: No, because he already knew me from, from, uh, from Denmark. He'd seen me dance. I've done, uh, quite a few of his ballets. And then he was, he choreographed, uh, the ballet Hallelujah Junction in Denmark. And I was, the, um, I was the second cast, the lead couple. Uh, which was a pretty big deal for me, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, so he already knew me pretty well.
0: So then you came, and how was that transition? Did you question your decision, or was it like, okay, this is a good fit?
1: I, to be honest, I have definitely questioned uh, questioned the decision um, ever since. Uh, just, I mean, not for. It, I mean, it sounds very uh, negative, but there was just a time when I got injured and you know, missing your family. Yeah, you get a little and, homesick. Yeah, you, You. I mean, so you're not... And I always felt, and, and I actually still do to, to this day, I I have always felt like I was on tour. I've never really felt uh, a part of... Uh, not City Ballet, I do, uh, for sure. But I've, I've always felt a little bit like I was living in a suitcase.
0: I get that. Even
1: though I've lived at... <laughs> Eight different apartments. Um, then I never really felt at home. Right. And I don't really normally I don't like to call myself a New Yorker, but but even to this day, it's I think you know a lot of it has to do with. Um, I mean I like the quick pace here in New York, and it's always you know it's a city that never sleeps. Uh, but i but also, I mean, I grew up in, in Copenhagen, but also a little bit on the country as well. So I had a little bit of a mix um, childhood. So I always loved the peace and quiet and the cows, and then all of a sudden you're you're standing. <laughs> there's no cows. There's, there's uh ten thousand yellow caps uh, constantly honking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 it's just a big trans- transition. But at the same time I I mean I was curious and I wanted to see what it was all about. and but just a funny side note is that I I was the last one I never thought I would leave Denmark. I, I saw all of my other friends, you know, going to France, Paris, New York, Madrid, I don't know like all over. people were talking talking about doing this and I never wanted to I never wanted to go out I, I mean I had a great time being in little Denmark <laughs> and then yet I'm the only one that ever, that, that ever went. yeah that ever actually went outside of the,
0: the country the Danish border cold. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much everyone for listening today and be sure to tune in again tomorrow as I pick up where I left off with Ask interview and don't forget to send me an email with your name and favorite episode to enter to win a signed pair of point shoes from Megan Fairchild. So until then, have a great day.